The Cup of the Lord's Wrath, Jeremiah 25. Thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending among them. So I took the cup from the Lord's hand, and made all the nations to whom the Lord sent me drink it. Jerusalem and and the cities of Judah, its kings and officials, to make them a desolation and a waste, a hissing and a curse as at this day. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, his servants, his officials, all of his people. Then you will say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink, be drunk, vomit, fall and rise no more because of the sword that I'm sending among you. And if they refuse to accept this cup from your hand to drink it, Then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, You must drink. For behold, I begin to work disaster at the city that is called by my name. And shall you go unpunished? You shall not, for I am summoning a sword against all the inhabitants of the earth. Declares the Lord of hosts. Lord, have mercy. The Gospel reading is from Matthew 26. Jesus prays in Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, If it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, Your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So, leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep, and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Lord, have mercy. Lord God, your word declares that we are your people. Lead us to respond. Yahweh is my God. Amen. What keeps you up at night? What gives your heart that flutter when it should be nodding off into a peaceful night's sleep? I think we need to think on that, to find that thing so that we might try to even relate to the bodily, guttural reaction which Jesus was feeling that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. When I think back to being six years old, my parents, they were, they had planned to bring us to Disney World and I was so excited and happy about that next morning that I got to take a limo for the first time because Uber didn't exist yet and I got to fly in an airplane for the first time and 
then speak, spend a week just basking in the glory of Mickey? How could I sleep? But no, that is not like what it was for Jesus. What he was about to do was no Disneyland. But then how about when you know tomorrow's the big test? For the students out there, what was the night like before the ACT test? Were you laying there dreading the outcome of something you've spent so much time prepping? Your parents, maybe you spent a bunch of money on classes and books for you to study. And then in these few simple hours, it was going to help decide your future, what school you're going to get into, what job you're going to do for the rest of your life. Is, it's like, is there some way that I can pay someone to take the ACT for me? I, that will solve everything, right? But no, it won't. This test will be a measure of who you are. Jesus must be the one to go through with this test of his perfect obedience. So now... Finally, how about the night before a big athletic event, like in high school or junior high, college? I I remember late in the swim team season in high school, my coach would always stick me in the detestable event, the 500-yard freestyle, where it's otherwise known as swimming five football fields in length. It was the longest event and probably the most physically demanding at the high school level. So being tall and fit at the time, the coach would always count on me to be able to finish and maybe win some solid points for the team. But I would lay in bed and I'd I'd wonder, why can't coach just one time let me do another event and not the 500? Why can't someone else do it? But no, it had to be me. He knew that only I could do it in his plan for winning this meet. And only Jesus could perfectly submit to his father's plan. The disciples throughout the gospel, they're putting themselves into these situations, these thought experiments, you might say. They're constantly trying to impress Jesus, maybe even impress themselves, the people around them, by making bold claims. All right, James and John's mother, just a bit before tonight's reading, she even went so far as to ask for this special treatment from Jesus for her son, something that I'm sure any mother would do for for her sons. She demands that her two sons have a seat at the right and left hand of Jesus and his kingdom. But how does Jesus respond? He says, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Are you willing to die on the cross as my father has planned for me? And, of course, James and John, they answer him, Oh, yeah, we can do it. It's like when you see water spraying all over your kitchen and that shady plumber you got out of the yellow book, he's saying, Oh, I know what I'm doing. Then we have Peter who in last week's reading, upon Jesus proclaiming that he will be deserted after he's actually put to death, 
Peter proclaims, even if I must die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. Little does Peter know that this is exactly what the scriptures say must happen. God has said through the prophet Zechariah, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So Peter, James, John, all the disciples, they look the fool when they come to Gethsemane and Jesus urges them, please, I'm in a bad place. I need you guys. You're my best friends. Please just stay awake with me for an hour. Just please watch over me. Just be with me right now. Yet they fall asleep. Their eyes are heavy. Maybe they had too many carbs, yada, 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 but Jesus forgives them. He knows that they just aren't up to the task. All of this big talk from the disciples, the armchair quarterbacking that they did about drinking his cup or going to death with him, it it all goes out the window pretty quick. Because Jesus announces that the hour is at hand. It is the final countdown. His time to be betrayed at the hands of sinners is here. And at the end of the night, they don't just let him down by falling asleep. They don't just say something goofy or, you know, give strong words to their rabbi. They leave him. They completely desert him. He's alone And he only has the presence of his father with him in prayer. In today's world, there's lots of things that keep us up at night. The recent edition of the coronavirus is only one. Sometimes they're exciting, but sometimes they're terrible. But the thing is that no matter their severity, we always usually end up trying to do them alone. We chug away in silence. We don't tell our families that we've been struggling with depression or anxiety for weeks, months, years. And it's only when we actually break that our family and friends find out. We deny ourselves the peace, the surrounding love of our friends and family as we keep quiet about our child's illness, about the death of our father, the death of our mother, about the financial ruin that's probably, in your mind, going to ruin your marriage. Because even though it seems like we're victims here, we need to realize that this is sinful behavior. This is us trying to carry the heavy cross that Christ carried and suffer on our own. This is us trying to drink that cup of judgment that we heard about in the Old Testament, which was meant only for God's enemies. And if you noticed, Jerusalem was in there too. This is us trying to impress ourselves, our peers, our parents, even our kids, God, with how well we're faring in this world, but without much success. In our Old Testament reading today, we heard about that cup of Yahweh's wrath, which has been prepared for his enemies, for the Almighty God himself, and the enemies of his chosen people. And in tonight's reading, God made man, Jesus Christ, he stares into that cup, and he sees his own reflection in it. 
Though he looks and he sees the perfect, sinless God of all mankind, he also sees all of the sins of all the people who have lived, who are living, and who will live, and he sees them upon himself. The sins of those pesky disciples, the sins of all the men who are going to accuse and put him to death, he also sees the man that he is. And he prays, Father, if there is any other way, please let it be so. But instead of my will, let your will be done. It is not a sin to pray. To go to your Father, to change your reality. We see this in the prayer of our Father's beloved perfect Son. The perfect Son that knows exactly how he needs to reign. On a throne like none other. A cross. We all need to realize what Jesus in the garden knows. The fact that you cannot drink this cup. You cannot carry this cross. You cannot go with him to die. Jesus looks down into that cup, praying in anguish for maybe three hours, knowing what he must do, what his disciples and we are shown able to do. And he drinks it. He drinks it deeply. Because it's time. He's left alone, first deserted by his closest friends, then by the justice system, then by his own almighty father on the cross. He's alone, forsaken. But he's done this for you. Thanks be to our Lord Jesus Christ that he has drunk this cup for us so that tonight we can fall asleep without worry of this cross that we cannot carry, of this cup that we cannot drink We rest knowing and trusting, having faith that Jesus has suffered on that cross and died for us. So try as you may to lift that cross, to drink that cup. Simply allow Jesus to drink it deeply for you. All we can do is watch in wonder, fall at his feet in the garden and worship him. Him who can do what we cannot do. Yet he does it for us. Amen.